All right, so my topic is going to be about Mormon missionaries, what we go through, talk about my mission, be real about it like I always am about everything, give both perspectives, so the good, the bad, the ugly, everything. It's not. I don't hide anything, so I'm going to tell you my perspective, how my mission was, which I had a really positive, good mission, so I did enjoy my mission. There's a lot of good things about it, but there's also some things that, looking back, um, created a lot of emotional abuse, and I've talked to a lot of parents. A lot of people have reached out to me about my first two podcasts about the church um, and just said that they they had kids. Like I had parents that told me that they had kids that could relate to some of my stuff, and that's kind of why I'm putting this out there so that like the people that are a little bit still closed-minded about the church, I can't see past what they want to see past, like just trying to get them to see past a little bit further than they've seen before. And so this message is going to be to those those return mi- the missionaries that like you kind of feel like the mission uh, took took something from you, um, created like a little bit of emotional abuse and just talk about how that happens from the perspective of those missionaries that came home early or that felt shamed in any way but I want to start out with a song this is just a song about um, basically being there for people like if you get lost you're gonna be there Um, it's called hey brother and it's by a view all right here's the song hey brother I recorded it already but it turned out terrible also here you go again There's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, sister, though the water sweep of blood is thicker. Oh, if the sky comes falling down for you, there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. If I lose it all 
Anyway, I hope you guys like that one. It's a fun one to play and sing. But the words are the reason I really like it because it's uh, like when you're on a mission far from home, brother and sister. I mean, we're the brothers and the sisters in the Mormon church. When you're on your mission, you're an elder or hermana, sister, sister and elder. For whatever reason, we got to be freaking elders instead of brother. But uh, anyway, like the song, just the lyrics in the one verse just say, There's an endless road to rediscover. Hey, sister, do you still believe in love? I wonder. Oh, if the sky comes falling down for you, there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. And then it says, What if I'm far from home? Oh, brother, I will hear your call. What if I lose it all? Oh, sister, I will help you out. Oh, if the sky comes falling down for you, there's nothing in this world I wouldn't do. Sorry, I got like a little bit Dr. Susie there at the end. But anyway, it's a good song. Look it up. Avicii. Hey, brother. Um, but anyway, I want to get into this podcast. So the reason I wanted to do this is because I've had like way too many conversations with way too many people that have come back from missions. And it wasn't like this super positive experience. And so for me, like I said, for me, I had a positive mission. Like it was good, but there was a lot like looking back where it kind of set me up to fail. Um, Like I said in one of my previous podcasts, like they get you to go on a mission when you're now was 18. And I was always thinking like, why did they do that? Like why they it was 19. So you got this year of college in and then they send you on a mission and so, ding, 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 bell goes off. Why did they switch it to 18? Oh, that's obvious. Because too many people were going to college and experiencing real life. And they were like, fuck this. <laughs> First off, I'm going to be swearing in this one. So, if you're offended by swear words, turn it off now. I'll give you three seconds. Three, two, one, fuck. See, you didn't turn it off. I gave you time, too. So that's your own fault. So, I don't feel bad for you. Um, but what they teach you on your mission is they basically say, lock your heart, lock your heart, throw away the key. They even have this pamphlet. It's like you're 18. So like all you want to do is just like be with girls and like hang out with your friends and have a good time with your life. But they send you before you can even realize like what you're doing with your life. You're out there. First, you went through that temple ceremony where you just committed your soul to this organization And you're just like, okay, I guess I'll just keep going. And then, so kind of the emotional abuse, I think, started for me. Like, before I left for my mission, they want you to be, like, pure. So you go to this temple, and you have to be, like, you can't have done anything with a girl. Like, no petting, no, like, if you go to BYU or BYU-Idaho, they make you, like, you can't even go into each other's bedrooms. Like, if you do, you'll have your roommates and people tattletale on you and you you sign this thing called the honor code and they basically say you broke the honor code sister brother and i told my bishop and now he's very angry with you and you need to go report to him because you might get expelled from school because you have a wiener and you like to use your wiener with your girlfriend (laughs) for real it's a real thing like you can't you can't use your dinghy your ding dong <laughs> so it's frustrating because so basically like I'm 18 when I'm getting ready to go on this mission and like I had a lot of friends in high school and I used to go to parties and drink and whatnot but uh 
like my friend, he's having a party. And so he had this girl and he's like, hey, I want you to meet this girl. And she's super cute. And I basically told her, I was like, I'm going to go out of the shed. So I can't do anything. And she's like, well, can we kiss? And I was like, yes, we can kiss standing up. But that's pretty much as far as I'm willing to take this because my salvation's at risk. She's like, wow, you're fucking weird. And I was like, yes, I'm very weird, but I'm, I believe in Christ. I am. Well, there's this one song in the Mormon church that goes, uh, I belong to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I know who I am. I know God's plan. I'll follow him in faith. I believe in the Savior Jesus Christ. I'll follow his name. I'll do what is right. I'll follow his light. His truth I will proclaim. So that starts when you're a kid singing those songs like, I love to see the temple. I'm going there someday. My head is getting filled up with lots of nonsense. This is such a brainwashed culture. What the hell are we doing this for? The end part of that's not the actual lyrics. The first part, though, was actually. so. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, <laughs> they make you feel like you just like you can't do anything. So I'm with this girl. She's super cute. And I'm like, I can only kiss. Da, 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 da. And so she's, uh, we go get alone, and then we lay down, and then, of course, like, freaking top flies off. And I'm like, uh-oh, boobies. And so <laughs> I just, I already have my mission call. I was already called on a mission. And I was, like, trying to be my best. If I put myself in this situation where, like, the church made me feel like, well, you shouldn't be putting yourself in those situations. And since I did that, I felt super guilty, but I didn't tell anybody. So I just went on my mission. So my whole mission, I felt just horrible. Like I felt guilty, like went to this place called the Mission Training Center. I'll come back to that. But the whole time I was debating, like, because they're just filling your head, like, are you pure? Should you be here? Do you have anything you need to get right with the bishop or your mission president? And I was like, fuck no, I'm good. I'm straight. Like I'm doing this. Like I'm not going to tell anybody. But it kind of ate at me throughout my whole mission because I felt like I was raised to, like, feel like sex and, like, things like that were inappropriate and you shouldn't do anything. And so it just, like, ate me up. Like, how stupid, right? Like, so, and then also they try to make you feel like you can't masturbate. Like, you can't, you can't do anything. So, like, you can't talk to girls. You already locked your heart and you threw away the key. And, like, you're going to come home and be so fucking happy. That's a song that I wrote. I'll get back to that, too. God damn it, I need to... Need to write some stuff down. All right, get back to this. Get back to get back to the MTC. All right, I got my notes, so I'll get back to this. But uh, so anyway, you can't masturbate. You, I felt bad about this girl, so I started to feel bad about both because I was like 18, 19 years old. So like, I mean, prime time, like just wanting to hook up and so obviously I was like masturbating a little bit which I'm sure most missionaries do I've talked to a few that never did and like I'm sure they had like a bazillion wet dreams and so that's probably why they always had their bed sheets taken to their laundry lady but uh anyway <laughs> so I go to my mission president a year into my mission I sit down with them and I'm like hey like before I left I didn't clear everything up 
I need to tell you, like, this girl, show me your boobs. We're kissing. I'm pretty sure I grabbed them. They were nice. Like, they were very supple. <laughs> and anyway, I don't know what to do. I, You guys are telling me I should come clean about this, so here I am. He's like, well, maybe you should write your stake president, which is like your high-up leader back home. So all the churches are structured like you got the prophet, then you got the apostle, then you got the 70, then you got the – you got like stake presidents and branch presidents and bishops, and it's like this whole hierarchy that start to bottom. So he's like, write your stake president because that's the person that's like dominates you and controls your destiny basically. And tell him about this, and then he'll decide whether or not you go home or not. And I was like, mm, I'll write the letter, and I'll tell you that I sent it, but I'm not actually going to send it. So I did write the letter. I was going through my stuff like a couple days or like a couple weeks ago because we just moved houses. Um, and I was looking through, and I had this sealed envelope, and I opened it, and it was my letter to my stake president, like, Hey, stake president, this is Tyler. Um, I I touched boobies. Um, I feel bad. Should I come home and waste a year of my life and, like, repent and then come back? And then after I wrote the letter, I was like, not going to happen. Like, I'm staying out here. I'm going to finish my mission. So if anybody listening to this thinks I should have gotten disqualified from my mission because I didn't send that letter, then I feel bad for you. I feel bad for all the missionaries that got sent home. Like everything is – it's all based on your bishop, your stake president. And so some bishops, like in college, people used to try to get this one bishop because he was lenient. So you'd go confess your sins and he'd be like, oh, just don't take the sacrament for like a month and like stop jerking off and stop like playing with your girl's boobs and you're good to go, bro. And then you had this other one that's like, how dare you? These girls' bodies are the temple. You will wait 15 months, and you will feel like shit the whole 15 months. And they'd have to wait. They'd have to wait, and they'd feel horrible, and their family would be like, well, why aren't you going? And then there's all the whispers like, I heard he didn't go, and he didn't go because he slept with his girlfriend, and she touched his pee-pee. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Did you hear about Tommy? Tommy touched a girl's boobies. Can you believe that? So all these rumors start to spread. Like I can't even imagine, I can't even tell you how many people I've heard like say like what why do you think this person didn't go on a mission? And then like all the speculations and rumors that start flying around. Like how embarrassing. If you ever do that, don't do that. Like if a missionary comes home, like just don't speculate like they probably came home because they honestly just freaking hated it because it was like hot and people were just slamming the door in their face and they'd rather just get a move on with their life and so um anyway so that's where the emotional abuse like starts for a lot of people I have this one friend too that uh he basically fell in love on his mission like he fell in love with somebody and that person was like Real, like, really, I think was maybe his person. Like, sometimes there's just, like, that love story, you know, where things are meant to happen. And, like, I think he maybe found that girl. But because 
you're supposed to close your heart, lock it up, throw away the key. He basically just like couldn't go out with her because there was too much shame and like his family and leaders and stuff. Like his mission president basically like shamed him and told him that it was completely inappropriate that he had had those feelings and blah blah blah. And he's like, I have feelings, like feelings. That's what happened. Like you catch feelings sometimes, and your feelings are feelings. Like what do you want me to do? Like take a spoon and dick my feelings out of myself? Like this girl was cute. She was cool. We talked. We vibed. I like her. The end. And it's like, how do you actually take your heart and lock it? So to those missionaries that like don't feel like a piece of crap if you fell in love on your mission because that happens. Like it's normal. Like you have a heart. People on your missions had hearts. And then I also I've talked to a lot of people that leave relationships to go on a mission. Um, and a lot of times these people leave and they feel like they left somebody at home that was their person. And then that person gets married. First off, if that person gets married, that wasn't your person. Because if you've ever read like The Alchemist, the per your person, your person will wait for you. Like your person could wait two years. And so if they go ahead and get married, just let them go. Like they just weren't don't ever don't ever come back like for a girl. I can see that like that is hard for missionaries when you feel so in love and then you go on a mission. I definitely think if you do go on a mission, even if like you don't want to, but you you're doing it because your parents and stuff. I definitely think you're better off going and not having feelings or not having a relationship before you go, because it's just not a good thing. Like I never had one mission companion that it was like a positive thing that they had a a girl back at home. It just messed with their head. And then I mean, it's probably best too if you try not to catch feelings on your mission, just because you can't do your work. But uh, I mean, if you're committed, you're out there, you're doing it. Like, if you got your mission call right now and you're excited about it, like, do it. Do it the best you can. Go serve. Like, serve. Just serve. Like, maybe some of the teachings and stuff are a little bit wacky. Like, just get out there and serve. Like, that's what it should be. What if, what if there was, like, an organization where it was just – because on, on missions also, you pay. Like, we pay to go do the mission. So I went to Guatemala on my mission. And so I think we were paying like $300 per month or something for my mission. So it's a pretty big it's a pretty big investment that missionaries like have to pay. And so what if you could just convince people to put money into a fund where you had like a mission training center where that's where you go and basically learn the language. Um, you learn about the gospel and everything you're supposed to teach, all the lessons. And so what if you could build that, train people just to like, serve give good messages just go door to door and basically be like hey i'm just coming by just wanted to see if you needed help with anything like not trying to convince everybody that like what you think is right but maybe just like hey like i noticed that your grass is long and you seem like your back hurts do you want me to mow your grass for you just like acts of service like that um but if you're in the Mormon church, like I said, it's it's a very good time to still these people. because So you go, basically when you sign up for your mission, so how it works is for anybody that hasn't been on a mission or that's not Mormon. So what happens, like I said, I'm going to talk about the positives too. Like I know I just went through and like, it sounds like I just kind of like annihilated the church there for a minute. But there are positives, and so I'll get into those. But you basically... You send in paperwork. So you fill out paperwork. You send it to like this, the headquarters of the church. And then the church sends you back 
like your mission call. Like here's your call. You're going Tyler Griffith. You've been called to Guatemala, and you're like, where the fuck is Guatemala? And so you're like, well, I guess I'm going to Guatemala. So then when you get that, you go to get the temple stuff done, and you're like, that was fucking weird. And then you go on your mission. And so you go to the mission training center where it's you wake up at like 5 in the morning, study all day long. You're studying Spanish. So si yo puedo hablar español muy bien. Como yo serví una misión en Guatemala por dos años, entonces por eso yo puedo hablar y me ha ayudado mucho, mucho en mi vida, porque hay muchas personas que solamente hablan español. So, entonces, para las personas que hablan español, este podcast también ustedes pueden escuchar y oír, y tal vez una vez voy a hacer un podcast para ustedes también. So, yeah, I speak Spanish. That's one of the huge positives about my mission. Um, huge. Like, can't thank them enough for, like, getting up five. So, you get up at five in the morning, you learn the, the language. So, you're learning the language, but you're learning the gospel in the language. And so it's kind of like, it's almost a weird thing where like you're teaching something, but there's this disconnect because it's in your second language. And so I was learning like the gospel in Spanish. And so like, kind of like how I say like, puta, like puta is a really bad word in Spanish. It's like saying fuck basically. But like, if you don't know Spanish and you don't know that word, like it doesn't mean anything to you. So like when I was teaching the gospel, it was just like, it was almost like I was disconnected from what I was teaching, if that makes any sense. And so you would have those like amazing discussions, though. I had amazing people that I met, baptized. Church really did like they, it's a great, great source of like culture. It's really good for people. And like, so I brought people that were kind of lonely out living in like a cornfield and shit, like brought them to this community where they felt like, they felt involved in something. So that part of the church is amazing. Like the sense of community and the sense of, uh, the sense of basically, sorry, somebody just texted me. So I got, I lost my train of thought there. But, uh, so let me flip this over. I don't even know why. What I'd look at a text right now. Freaking moron. But basically like good sense of community, good sense of, uh, it's just very, very helpful. So you're in the MTC. That's three months where I was just there. It's two, maybe a month, two months, three months, depending on where you go and how hard the language is. And so you're with all these guys and girls, the, the brothers and sisters, hermanas y hermanos, oh, elderes y hermanas. That's what we were called. And so it's a very, like, you're very just taken, taken away from society. There's no TV, so I didn't watch sports for two years. I didn't um, listen to the radio for two years. I called home on Mother's Day and Christmas. That was the only time you were able to call home. Otherwise, it was emails on Mondays, which was your Monday was your day off. And so you do uh, just emails on Mondays, and then you could do um, yeah, just talk twice a year. And so you were completely like, just immersed in this like culture so imagine like they have your brain for two years like they have you like no i didn't have a cell phone this is like i'm old i'm 50, i'm 37 so i didn't even have a cell phone ever before at this point so we didn't we weren't those like cell phone missionaries facebook missionaries like facebook wasn't a thing yet um we had like dial up internet when i left lebron james just barely got into the nba so like i came home and like uh, reality TV was now a big thing. When I left, it was all like Saved by the Bell, 
family matters. That's why all of my generation is like fucking we're all stars because we had really good shows that taught us how to be good people. Like Full House, Step by Step. Um, what's the other ones? Family Matters. Remember TGIF, by the way? TGIF was the shit. You go home, get pizza. You watch two hours, like Step by Step, Family Matters. Remember they jacked it, though, and they threw some shows in there that sucked for a while, so I was pretty depressing. <laughs> but anyway, so you don't get that. That's all gone. No TV, no nothing, so you're just disconnected. So imagine how much they can like control you at this point. So you're not masturbating. You're not meeting girls. You're not talking to your house, to anybody at your house. All you're doing is walking around, and you're knocking on doors. So you do this thing for two I was there, I think, two months. So you barely know the language, and then you just get on an airplane, and you fly over to Guatemala. So you get off, and then it's like, bam, culture shock. Like third world country. Um, I remember going to Burger King and we ordered food and the guy's like, Que gustaría comer? And I was like, What the fuck did you just say? <laughs> he's like, He's like, What do you want to eat? And I was like, uh, So I had to tell this guy to order for me. And then I was like, I could get my drink though. And I was like, I'll, I'll just get Sprite. And he's like, Como? I was like, Sprite. Como? ¿Qué dice? Sprite. Whoa, huh? And then my mission president's like, es Sprite. And they're like, oh, es Sprite. You said Sprite. It's es Sprite. <laughs> I was like, oh, I forgot the E at the beginning of the letter S. My bad. Es Sprite. So <laughs> you're kind of you're kind of roped into this like new world, but it's fun. Like if you go on your mission, like enjoy the culture like if you get to go somewhere like out of this country just like, like enjoy the people so like the thing i loved about my mission was guatemala so anyway you get done with the mtc you're there for two months now i'm in guatemala for the rest of my mission so i get there um culture shock but people just the nicest people like the nicest people i've ever met in my whole life and everybody like we walked my whole mission so you stay in this like the the office missionaries like the there's office missionaries which nobody wanted to be that because you're kind of like the clerical like you're like the secretary like shipping shit and doing all that annoying like secretarial type stuff and so you stay there for a couple days and then you're shipped out to your area so i was shipped out like on a bus like four hours from the city to this place called chikimula we had this thing that like would drive around and be like chikimula sin basura and then right when you get there, you get off the bus, and all you hear is like, Se arreglen zapatos! They like fix shoes. And so everybody's just like, it's like Beauty and the Beast, where they're like, Good day, good sir, how is your family? Good day, oh sir, how is your wife? I need a <laughs> So I don't know what's wrong with me today, but... Uh, Anyway, so it's like that. You're walking around. Everybody's like, bonjour, 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 bonjour. And so we all said bonjour, too, because that makes sense, right? I'm in a Spanish-speaking country, and we're all saying bonjour. But anyway, just nicest people. So I got to start teaching them. First off, I get to my house, though. Whole, this is going to be longer than 30 minutes, by the way, but I feel like it's been interesting so far. So hopefully I can keep you guys interested. So my first area I get there, my house is essentially a toaster. So it's like a sheet metal, pretty sure it's sheet metal roof and walls. And so I get inside, or cinder block walls, sheet metal roof. So you can imagine, I get there, it's like 9,000 degrees. Um, I sweat a lot. 
And so when I got there, I was like, please, God, I cannot wait to get to my house where I can turn on the AC. No AC for two years. Never had AC. There was one church. There was a bishop's office that had AC, and we'd sit in there and turn that thing on, and it was like heaven. I never realized how much I appreciated AC. But So I'm in this toaster. First day, my mission companion super cool dude love him still today he's actually uh he's a doctor for kids with cancer so he actually got to help we got to go see him and he got to uh he got to help us with one of our appointments when we went to utah with my son tucker so i love you you're awesome you're a really good guy loved meeting all my companions and people in guatemala but uh Anyway, I get to this place, and he's like, we don't get water here. There's no water. So it turns on like one minute a day, and we got to fill up these two-liter bottles. And uh, then once it gets uh, – once the water shuts off, then we shower. Everything we do, you have to basically dump. So you get in the shower, and so the water comes out, and it's got worms and shit in it. And so it's really just not uh, not very clean. And so – you have to get in the shower, and you'd have this two-liter bottle, and you'd pour it on your head. And you have to look up because as you're pouring, there's worms that are falling. All right, I got cut off again because somebody tried to call me. I don't know how to do not do not disturb on my phone. So stop calling me, people, please. Um, anyway, so you have to look up, and then the thing's dumping and the worms, like, you'd have to, like, throw them out so they didn't land on you. So it was pretty horrible. Not a great experience. Um, and then I was just sweating to death. And then when you'd get into, so, like, at nighttime, you had, uh, first off, we had cockroach problems. So you'd turn the, sh the, the sink on, and cockroaches would come crawling out your sink. And then we had a kitchen table where you'd pound the table, and you'd have, like, 50 cockroaches that would fall on the ground. No, probably, like, 100. So you can imagine when you're sleeping, how many of those things like crawled in my butt and my mouth and my ears and shit. So that was fun. Um, and then also one night I remember I was sleeping, had this really uncomfortable like bed that felt like a rock. And then underneath it, I heard this like scurrying like, and I was like, oh, cool. Like another surprise. What do we have here? So I look under there, tarantula. Not like a little, like a little spider, like a big fucking tarantula and i was like oh dear lord baby lord jesus god how have i signed up for this this is like day two so and then uh i had to get a broom and hockey hockey sweep that thing smash it against the wall and like those things are fast as balls by the way and so i had to hockey sweep it it smashed the wall then its legs are going like <laughs> like a million miles an hour it's like arachnophobia, which was like the movie I was most scared of as a kid um, in real life. And then I had to open the door. My mission companion opened the door, and then I swapped that thing outside. And so – and then I had mice in my suitcases. Um, so this is my first area. This is like three months. Then I get shipped to Puerto Barrios. Uh, I had another mission companion in that area too. But then I went to Puerto Barrios for – nine months which was like the best actually i went to this place called landivar for like a minute that place sucked um but i did have a cool all my mission companions are cool so shout out to all you dudes hopefully you guys aren't offended by me like talking and 
telling my truth about what I think about everything because I still like you guys. You guys are all cool just because this is like this is the sad part too is this is who I was on that mission. I was just pretending for you guys. I was like, hey, this is – I'm Elder Griffith. I am an upright, uptight citizen. But really that's not who I am. I'm like uh, – I'm going to like live by the seat of my pants, tell it like it is, no bullshit. And so anyway, um, I don't want to go through like my whole mission, but basically just the good parts. And so – um, one of the parts at this Puerto Barrios, I had this elder, this mission companion who was like kind of like a, he was like a lot like me, but he didn't really, he just didn't seem like he bought into the church. He was just kind of there like pleasing his parents, which you have a lot of those too, um, which I don't understand like why go on a mission if you're not going to like do it. Might as well be in school or something. But I had this mission companion and we got kind of in these like waterfalls this one time. So we used to like, you weren't allowed to get in water because water was controlled by the devil. So we found these like awesome waterfalls and like we'd plan them and I remember dunking underneath and taking pictures and sending it home just because I've always had that personality like, look, I'm not paying, I'm not obeying the rules. But anyway, this guy, because you, you always have parasites on our missions because you're drinking like water with disgusting worms and shit in there. And so my mission companion, he had to take a dump. Like you always had to take a dump. Like it was like the drop of a hat. You had to shit like everybody shit their pants all the time. But uh, so he had to crap. So he went up the mountain and he dug a hole and he pooed and then he wiped his butt with his underwear, with his garments, and then he buried them. And then he came back. <laughs> this just shows you how weird we were as like how like crazy of people we were. So in your garments, and this is like I'm sorry again for people that might be offended, but we have like symbols. Everybody knows you wear them. This is just going to be the reason why. There's symbols in your garments that remind you of things that are important, so they're sacred. And so if you ever get rid of them, you're supposed to cut the symbols out. And so for me, like I would have left those underwear up there, obviously, because like there's shit all over them. But for him, he climbed back up there and ripped his symbols out of his poo underwear and buried them again. So let me, I'm just going to let you guys like, let that soak in for a second. That's not a made-up story. That actually happened. <laughs> so just stuff like that. But the good things about my mission taught me a lot of self-discipline. Getting up early, get my day started, reading. Um, I became like a way better student. Um, I Like I said, I learned Spanish. I learned to study. I basically, I grew up, but I felt like I grew up maybe a little bit too quickly. And so, but uh, like I said, I also met like the Guatemalans. If you ever get a chance to go over there and serve, they're the nicest, humblest, best people in the whole world. Um, love them all. I loved all my mission companions. My mission president and his wife are the, the coolest people ever. The... The people, like I said, in the church are awesome. I feel bad that the teachings and stuff, there's just so much like abuse and so much that people don't want to admit. But like I said, I've talked to several people. Like I talked to this parent the other day that was telling me about telling me about her kid and her kid's just like depressed and like 
beating himself up nonstop because he didn't go on him or he came home early from a mission. And I was like, well, tell your son, like, that's totally normal. Like, missions aren't for everybody. And, like, if you're a girl and you're waiting for, like, a returned missionary because that's super important for you, guys that don't go on missions are just as good, if not better. Like, you don't need that. That's not something. And, guys, if you don't feel like the mission's the right thing for you, like, don't feel bad about yourself. Do what's best for you. Like, you don't have to go on a mission for your parents. If you don't believe in it, tell them. Like, don't believe in it. I don't want to teach it. If you do believe in it and you want to do it and you want to have, like, all these cool experiences I had, do it. But like I said, you are going to be, like, making promises. And you are going to be doing things that, like, hopefully you realize what you're getting into before you get into it. That's all. That's all I would say is, like, hopefully people educate you and get you to a place where you're doing it for the right reasons. Um, and then I just wanted to end with this song that I wrote because I told you guys I'd come back to this. All right, you ready? Lock your heart. Throw away the key When you get home You'll be so fucking happy Lock your heart Throw away the key When you get home You'll be so fucking happy That's for all you missionaries that That was the sarcastic part of it That had to That came home early That feel like For whatever reason It just kind of ruined your life Just look at it like for what it was, it was an experience. Even if you did a half mission or you did two months, three months, whatever you did was good. Like you did a good job. Hopefully you're not still beating yourself up about stuff. And if you didn't lock your heart and throw away the key and you didn't come home super fucking happy, like just make adjustments. Make adjustments. Do things to fix where you're at. Anyway, hopefully I offended every single person I love. Love you. Uh, there was a couple things I forgot to add. So one thing that also was uh, interesting about being a Mormon missionary was uh, we would become like a district leader or a zone leader. And so I was a zone leader for like a year of my mission, which basically put me in charge of other missionaries. So it's kind of like how businesses have hierarchy. There's always leadership and stuff, but essentially they put a 19-year-old in charge of like 30 other 19 year olds and expected them to for whatever reason respect me and give me like there's nothing that I did to really earn that position um but a lot of the missionaries obviously were resentful because they wanted those positions and like I said a lot of people go on these missions for the wrong reasons and so they're out there trying to like get leadership roles to come back and be like I was the assistant to the president or I was the zone leader but the thing I wanted to talk about with the being a zone leader was they essentially made me like a like a counselor, kind of. Like I remember there was sister missionaries. I remember one time I had to go over there because I was a zone leader. And they called me and they're like, Brother Griffith, sister, blah, 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 is being so rude to me. And I don't know what to do. So I called like my higher up and they're like, just go do like a like a sit down with them, like one-on-one -on -one and then try to defuse the situation. And I'm like, how the hell? Like, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> so I go there 
and I talk to them both, and it's just like this like little cat fight. Like, she's rude, and I hate her. Well, she's mean, and she's doesn't want to work hard, and I want to get after it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. So you can imagine, like, a one year earlier, I'm at home, like, socking my brothers in the face, calling them, like, every name in the book, and now all of a sudden I'm, like, grown up enough to counsel these sisters. So I thought that was kind of interesting that – that's how it is in like the whole hierarchy of the church. Like these guys that become made bishops and stuff, and they sit down and you talk to them and go over like your sexual sins and all that stuff. Like they really don't have training to be able to do that. And so it just seems inappropriate for people to be taking these roles just based on like really nothing. So I thought that was interesting. And then also I <laughs> there's just another... I have this other friend. He has a really funny story about his mission. So he didn't want to go. He got to the MTC, basically was there, and just hated it. <laughs> so he, t- <laughs> he took his suitcases from his in Provo, Utah, and he just walked off, just went to a hotel and said, hey, can I just crash here? <laughs> and just left. Just left the mission. And so I'm sure a lot of people wish that they did that. He doesn't regret it at all. The mission wasn't for him. I think just as a young guy in the church, like there's so much pressure to do this mission for some reason. And so anyway, I thought those were two funny stories I was going to mention. But uh, like I said, if you do feel like the mission's not for you, then that's fine. Like you don't have to do it. If you have like major anxiety, depression, things that would prevent you from being successful, like don't do that. Do something else. Anyway, love you guys.